Broadcasting from Stan Firm Media Studios in Michigan, this is Candid Christian Conversations. Hello and welcome to Candid Christian Conversations. I'm Hank and I'm joined by Rick. Rick, how are you this time? I'm great. This time on Candid Christian Conversations, we're going to discuss how should Christians respond to the election? Well, Rick, lots to unpack on this episode, you know, because it, it, it's still, it's like that skid mark wound on my arm I got when I was a kid and I had that new brand new bike and I just tipped over, couldn't control it. Oh man, a week later, ooh, still stings a little bit, you know, <laughs> a little more ointment needs to be on there. So I do apologize if uh, some of these uh, comments that I'll make in particular are a little, uh, uh, more sensitive driven than than actual fact driven. Because first, let's put this out there. Is it fair to say most Christians, not all, but most Christians believe that the conservative party probably represents their social views better than the what is now called the Democratic slash progressive party? Yeah, I would I would think so. My personal involvement in politics, even though it's a few years back, it was it was like that a lot. Uh, there's an alignment between a lot of the positions that Christians take on certain issues and the moral positions of them and where the political parties line up with those moral positions. It kind of depends. If you go to a more liberal church where they're more concerned about the social issues, helping the poor, you may find some alignment there with the Democratic Party from people who see that they do a better job of doing that. If you feel that your Christian beliefs and your politics are connected close enough, or it depends kind of, I should say, what your view of government is. I, I'm a person where I look at the Bible and when God tells me to take care of the widows and the orphans, he's talking to me as a Christian. He's talking to the church. I don't see that as talking to the government. So when the government does it, and in my opinion, it's not the government's job, that puts me in the camp of kind of being more conservative, where I know other people that think, you know, somebody has to do it. And since the churches didn't do it good enough, the government's doing it. So that's why I'm for the Democrats, because they will do that. Okay, that makes sense. I think oftentimes, from my perspective. I know a lot of people who are conservative and Christian, so I go in with that kind of a mindset. But it is good to remember that not always are people aligned with conservatives who are Christian. And you made some good points. Well, if, if all of us Christians agreed, we know, you know, we're all the same denomination then, you know, <laughs> and we kind of know where that goes. Hey, yep. Nope. 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 In heaven, it's going to be Baptist down here to the left. And then, uh, oh, that's how it's going to work. Okay. Um, no, if, there is this big brick wall because all the Catholics are on the other side and they think they're the only ones up there. <laughs> <laughs> we are just joking. Just joking. That's right. Of course. If we're in the camp that did not win, mm -hmm. what initially should we do and how should we address some of these feelings of unrest? Because I'll, I'll be the first to admit, when that went down and the way it happened, where, you know, I, I thought it felt like there were some shenanigans going on and stuff like that. And it felt a little more uh, unfair, if that's the right term. And I had a lot of fear over, 
oh my goodness, you know, what agendas are going to be pushed through in these four years? Mm-hmm. How far are they going to s- swing the pendulum one way? And then from there, we can go into some other concerns and, uh, and stuff that I think is going to go on. But initially, what would you tell somebody? Well, on that front, here's here's my approach. There's two questions. And I, I've been a politics watcher and participator long enough that I've seen other presidents who I did not vote for. And I've had friends that predicted real dire things when that guy won the election and things didn't quite go that badly. Yes, there's things they did that I don't agree with, but there's people I voted for that did things I don't agree with. So, you know, I think of this reminder is, is God in control? If we believe God is in control, then isn't God in control when your guy wins as well as when your guy doesn't win? You know, let me interject right there. I'm so glad you brought that up because when I read certain scripture, I almost get the sense that when your guy doesn't win, it can act as a wake up call to something that is going to transpire down the road. Mm-hmm. Instead of you just always having this, oh, I got this, just just stream of winning, even though we're doing all these wrong things and and bad things and and such. Go back and read Jeremiah. Jeremiah is prophesying about the fall, the fall that they're going to take because they've forsaken the true God. They haven't been behaving right. They're sitting there thinking, we're God's chosen people, but they're not living like his chosen people. And he says, I'm sending Nebuchadnezzar. And there's a point, I'll paraphrase a little, but basically Jeremiah is like, God, you're sending Nebuchadnezzar? He's the worst. Like, how can you let Hitler be our judge, you know? And God is saying, you know what? He's my servant. He actually uses that word in Jeremiah, uh, I think it's 27, 6. He says, this is my servant, Nebuchadnezzar. But Nebuchadnezzar's still going to get his later down the road, all right? He's not scot-free just because I chose to use him to judge Israel. Doesn't mean he's a good person, Okay. Maybe we were being judged by the last president we had. Maybe we're being judged by the next president we're getting. You you know, you can look at it that way. I, could, I can guarantee if you look around at America right now and what we're allowing, and then you compare it to Scripture and what God wants, we are asking for judgment. We are daring God to judge us. Amen. And, and that rolls right into the next thing I wanted to discuss. Because we continue to move the goalpost of what's right in the eyes of God. I feel like the country as a whole, whether you participate or whether you allow or whether you stay silent, it it is like we are just inching further and further and further and further away. At what point do Christians need to have their voice heard as far as, you know, not, not, not negative way, not, not in a violent way or, or anything like that. But at what point do we need to stand up and say, that's enough? For me, there's two ways to look at this. One, we're already past the point where Christians should be saying that's enough. If, if we're going to have a revival and call our nation back to truly being moral in the sense of following God's word, we're, we're already way, way, way past that point. If you want to think of it as the point of when should a Christian start to disobey the government, I don't think we've gotten to that point yet. The only case that can be made for that comes from the book of Acts, 
when they're told to stop preaching Christ. But the ones who told them that was the Sanhedrin. And Sanhedrin wasn't really a government authority. They were a religious authority, but they were given some power by the Roman Empire because they had control of the people. So, you know, Rome came in and is like, you know, who is ever in charge of the people will grant you a certain amount of authority to try to keep these people in line for us. But they had had their power to execute taken away. That's why Jesus had to have a trial before Pontius Pilate, because the Romans had to execute them. The, the Jews couldn't do that. And then the Jews came, and when they were preaching in Jesus' name, they tried to tell them to stop preaching. That is when they said, we have to obey God rather than men. But that's the only case where it shows that. Look at the Bible and look at Joseph. Joseph is following the true God, but he's in Egypt under a pagan king. Yet he interprets the dreams, saves the land, saves the people, because it's all part of God's plan. So he serves God, even though he was sold into slavery by his brothers, even though he's in uh, some bad situations before he gets there. Then look at Daniel. You know, they come in, Nebuchadnezzar comes in, conquers the land, carries off these people, and he's going to serve a pagan king that wants him to eat food that goes against his religion. And, you know, they, he goes through these trials where they tell him he can't pray and he chooses to pray. So they throw him in the lion's den. Yet here's a godly man serving ungodly kings. Okay. And Nehemiah does that. So there's examples from scripture that the king don't have to be a good person to have a good Christian advisor. Yes. And I also believe that some of us got caught up in thinking that Donald Trump was potentially some, you know, closet great Christian or something to some <laughs> effect. And, and he had no outward expression of faith that I had ever heard anyway. You could correct me if I'm, in, if I'm wrong on that. but I heard stories from people just before the election of 2016 that supposedly he had converted. Uh, but I never saw evidence to me that would show that this person's heart was changed in any way. And Donald Trump was very interesting to me because he's almost like two different people because his Twitter was the way he talked to people. He mocked people. He cursed. He did a lot of unchristian stuff in the way that he would treat others. Yet he was the one president that finally recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, which I think was a great thing to do. He was a hundred percent, one of the best on trying to reduce abortion and, and reducing the government paying for abortion and putting obstacles in place to abortion. He was completely pro-life, like more than any other president. I really believe that. Yet, and I don't know why he's in that position on that issue, because I had no idea before he was president that he would be that way. I was, I thought that'd be an issue he'd be bad on. Yet, he was so mean towards refugees and immigrants and stuff like that. We could have a whole separate discussion about immigration and legal and illegal and whatever you want to say, but you can say that Donald Trump was very cold-hearted and, and unkind in that arena. And like, if you looked at the different things that the Bible tells us on how to treat others as an individual, he definitely doesn't fit that, yet he did have some policies or people working for him that were completely Christian people trying to do good things. Uh, look at there's great things that uh, Ben Carson did with, with HUD, you know, to try to help people. 
so, you know, he's a strange one as far as politics goes because he's way more confused. But yeah, I saw no personal conversion proof either. And is it fair when I say this statement that we should be, as Christians, we should be voting policies, not particularly people? Is that a fair statement? No, that's completely fair. I look at first, I'm not a, I'm a citizen, not of this world, but of, of, of God. You know, I, as a Christian, my stake is not here. This is a temporary place. Okay. So I'm proud to be an American. I'm grateful for the rights I have as an American and, and I'm really patriotic about things, but America is second to my Christian beliefs. And, and America is ahead of my political beliefs. No, no party or no person can come ahead of America. I look at America and I look at history and I, you read the Constitution, you read the Declaration of Independence, you think about what the founding fathers taught and, and what they wanted as a nation. And I don't care who you are or what party you're affiliated with. I'm not going to support that if it goes against those things. You know, that's just where I come down. And and I don't put my politics ahead of my Christianity. Christianity has to come first. Another camp of Christians that I run into are Christians that don't vote or don't want to get involved. Both parties, they'll you, you point to one party, you know, for argument's sake, let's say I point to the progressives and say, you know, they're they're pro-abortion, they're this, they're that. And then somebody else could come behind me and say, you know, look at the, look at the money, the greed, the, the love of money that, that these Republicans or conservatives are preaching, you know, with their platforms. And they'll say, throw up their arms and say, and I've done this before, where you're just like, I don't feel like I'm making any kind of difference. What, w- what would you say to people that are feeling like that? I can't blame somebody if that's how they feel in a way. In some ways, it's kind of fatalistic. I can understand not wanting to have an entanglement with earthly things. If you if you take that approach, that's fine. You can do that. I look at it as being a good citizen, you know, and that's not a biblical thing. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go to scripture and try to convince you you have to be a good citizen of whatever nation. You're supposed to obey the authority. Yep. This is what Paul wrote extensively in, in if you go to Romans chapter 13 the first seven verses it's a lot of detail but let's see which translation I've got here this is from the NIV it says let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established the authorities that exist have been established by God Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of the possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. 
This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And that's pretty straightforward. There's not a lot of give there. <laughs> he doesn't say, I mean, he's writing this during the Roman Empire. He's not saying, obey the authority as long as they're good to you. Obey the authority as long as they do the things you agree with. He just says, obey the authority. Okay. I've read that plenty of times. And I guess what I struggle with is what about when the people in authority are doing heinous, evil things? Am I supposed to say, as a Christian, am I supposed to say, well, that's the right thing to do? I should be like that? No, because here's the difference. For you to say that's the right thing to do is endorsing them. It doesn't say here you have to endorse them. It just says you're subject to them. And you have to obey them. Okay. So you're not, you're maybe, maybe I should say it this way. You're not resisting them, but yeah, the perfect example is World War II and Germany and Hitler. You know, uh, he's coming to kill Jews and you got Jews hiding in your house. Do you lie or do you turn the Jews over? You know? Those are hard moral calls. Yes. I, I don't know of any specific scripture that tells me, well, here's the situation where you have to decide which thing to do, because really, you, you're going to be party to allowing a person to die for no reason other than their ethnicity when you know that that's wrong. So, yeah. But you know what? Those are extreme situations. Yes. And we tend to like really oversimplify and go like, because of the pandemic, the government is limiting us meeting to worship together. And that's wrong because Paul says not to forsake the gathering of the saints or the writer of Hebrews. And so obviously the government is wrong because I have to meet with my fellow Christians. So I'm not going to obey the government. And hopefully I don't get in any trouble for saying this, but I did attend church when we were told not to attend church. It wasn't mine because mine closed, but I did go to a church that was open when Wisconsin was supposed to be locked down. So there are circumstances in which we can, you know, as long as our heart is in the right place in God's sight, that we could do something that's contrary to what the people in power are trying to tell us. Yes. And I would think that's a key thing. What you just said is your motive. When, when Jesus came, remember in the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking to them about, you've heard this and whatever they had heard was the law. And people were concerned about following the letter of the law. And, and what did he say? But I tell you this. And whatever he was doing was always going much deeper. He's going into the heart. He's going into the intellect, the inner thoughts, the feelings. And he's saying, you know, it's not enough to just have some compassion by using a few words on somebody, but you have to actually give them something to help them when they're in need, you know? Yes. You know, oftentimes I hear people, and I'm not knocking this, hear me out. I hear people say, I'll, I'll pray for you. Mm -hmm. I love when people have used the expression to me in the, in the past, they'll say something like, pray with your feet, like action, pray with your actions, pray with activity, pray, and then follow it with, with a movement, you know, doing something. And I think that a lot of us, uh, especially when you kind of bring it full circle to the election, you say, I want to pray, move forward, but also what are we doing to try to make come about what we're looking for? 
because we might be seeking these other leaders to do these things for us and they're not going to do them. Maybe the leader we actually are waiting for or, or, you know, earthly leader that we're actually wanting or whatever could be somebody that's a part of the church or somebody that you meet through your job or, or something along those lines. And it might motivate and catapult that individual to do something more instead of just sitting back. We're in a society where we have freedom. I mean, we have elections. It's, it's different than so much of recorded human history. For so many long time, you had the kings. And then for a while, you had the churches and the kings intertwined. And you had the uh, endorsement of the king by the church and the endorsement of the church by the king. And they worked hand in hand and they were both were corrupt. And then you had, even with the uh, Reformation and the splitting up of churches, you had uh, other countries that would choose to, I'm going to be this denomination or I'm going to be that denomination. And then they would persecute anybody that wasn't part of their denomination. And we're living in a country where the people came here to freely practice their religion. And they had a multiplicity of different beliefs to, to practice and to follow. And so when a person who is a Christian decides, I'm going to enter the political arena. Now, in that arena, do they forget their Christianity? Do they bring it with them? How do they do it? You know, you got different, you got people on both sides that'll quote you scripture as a reason to support whatever issue it is that they're working on. And they've got their own interpretation and take on it, but they've also got a motivation. Now, the key would be like, we have it written in our constitution. Our government doesn't endorse any specific denomination. Our government doesn't force you to give money to a certain church, which is what was happening under England before we had our revolution. Okay. And so the church doesn't endorse the government. The government doesn't endorse the church. The church is free to practice and they're really not supposed to interfere with each other. You know, we we've have some overlap because we have our beliefs and the and you still carry your beliefs with you into that arena. But we, what we don't have is the church telling the government what to do, or the government should not be telling the church what to do, even though that happened under different administrations that has happened. And I have personally struggled with that myself as far as what is the right balance? Should it be a separation of church and state, or should it be, you know, the, the government is led by the values that are biblical. You know, I, I've struggled with that over the years. Well, our, our history would be that when this country started, the, the values were very biblical because even though people had different denominations and even though there were some people that were deists like Thomas Jefferson, uh, they believed in God, but they didn't endorse everything that the Bible said. They didn't like it all. There were certain things like the, the codes of the laws of Moses are the pattern for a lot of the laws in our country. You can go ar uh, around the world and see depictions of Moses with the Ten Commandments on courthouses. And so that's, that's where our culture has, has brought and why we have laws, why we have structure and order in the, in the system that we do. A lot of that is based on the Bible, but the Bible itself as a document it's telling us about God, but not everyone who reads it necessarily believes in God's son. 
you know. And if you're a Christian, you really are following Christ. But there's lots of religious people who believe in God or look at the Bible and think the Bible offers good guidance. Like there's good information in there that I can use, but they don't necessarily believe in Christ. They don't, they're, they're not the same alliance that we are if, if we're Christians. And so it, it becomes really tricky, you know, cause if you, they have a saying, you can't legislate morality. You can't make a law that makes the people be moral. Like we tried it with prohibition, you know, uh, you know, we, there were a lot of bad things happening because of alcohol and people saw it and they said, Hey, if we, if we make it illegal, it'll be better. But it didn't make it better. <laughs> it made a bigger mess. And, 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 you know, that's one of those things is we can't force with a law to make everybody do the right thing. Pe- right. People are individuals. People make their own choices, right? Yes. And so in that way, if we really want a moral America, we need to live as better Christians so that we attract people to Christ and win them over. And if you could win over the majority of the people to really follow Christ and then they read the word and be convicted about it, then they just would stop those bad behaviors on their own. You don't need a law to, to tell them not to do that. You know, I don't, I don't need a law to tell me it's bad to do drive-by shootings. I'm against the idea because Jesus is. And something in your heart tells you that's just not the thing to be out doing. Right, exactly. You're listening to Candid Christian Conversations by StandFirmMedia.com. I guess as we progress towards the end of this, what other things could you tell Christians, you know, because I feel like some Christians have maybe not put their faith in God. They've more so put their faith in like a system or a political party or something along those lines. And that is troublesome to say the least. What would you say? If I know anyone who's putting their faith in a, in a person or a political party, um, and they say that they're a Christian, I would ask them to, to study the word. I would direct them to a few different scriptures and say, your, your higher priority is God, is God's word. Um, Peter, when he wrote in, and mentioned uh, submitting to authority also, he has a verse, 1 Peter 2, 17. It says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Okay? So, as a part of being a good Christian, he's saying show honor. And, and that emperor wasn't a real honorable person, but he's still saying show honor. In the Old Testament, under Exodus uh, twenty-two twenty-eight, uh, this is from the Christian Standard Bible translation. It says, you must not blaspheme God or curse a leader among your people. So this is the thing that bothers me is seeing people, it bothered me, when Obama was president, it's bothered me when Trump is president. It's bothered me that I see people already attacking Joe Biden and they say disparaging things. They mangle the name to make fun of them. They say they accuse them of treason. They accuse them of being terrible. Uh, they're corrupt. You know, they, they say all this stuff and there's no real proof that any of that is true. And you're, you're attacking this person's character, but you're supposed to be a Christian. As a Christian, I cannot attack that person by calling them names or saying things about them that aren't true. When Donald Trump says things that are offensive to me, as a Christian, I can say, I don't like what the president said. I'm talking about his action. I'm not talking about 
him. I'm not saying Donald Trump is a bad person or I can't stand Donald Trump. I'm saying I don't like these things he did. And I'm sure the same thing is going to happen with Biden. He's going to do things I don't like. And I, and I will comment. I may share an article on Facebook and say, hey, I think this is a bad move or this is a, this is a sad thing to see happening. But I'm not going to sit there and say Joe Biden is the worst president we've ever had. <laughs> you know? So, Rick, do you want me to stop saying? I'm trying to lighten the mood here, people. Okay. <laughs> hint, hint. Rick, do you want me to stop calling the uh, president uh, Barack O'Biden? <laughs> you want me to stop saying that? There, there's a little bit of humor there, but uh, I guess it would depend. You know, if you re- had a real negative opinion about Barack Obama and you, you want to try to uh, liken Biden to him. I mean, he was his vice president, but uh, <laughs> same policy. Yeah, that that that'd be a pretty mild one. At least it's it's not too <laughs> offensive. But yeah, I won't repeat it. But I probably won't uh, scold you too much. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll cut it out. I'll stop it. Uh, but yeah, you know, sometimes it is uh, it is just like sports, and that's what I I get worried and a little anxious, I don't want to say nervous, but anxious over is in sports, we have people miss work for these teams and miss <laughs> church for these teams and mm. and miss family for these teams and stuff. And and politics this time around feels like that. It almost felt like I'm not talking to grandma anymore because she's wearing that red hat or I'm not talking to cousin so-and-so because He's wearing that blue hat, and it was like they were idolizing the individuals. Your relationships with other people should not, it, it, from your point of view, if you're the Christian, you know, maybe somebody else is not a Christian, and maybe they're going to have a problem talking to you because you've expressed your politics or your religion. But I should not let that be an obstacle to me loving someone. Loving someone doesn't mean I have to agree with everything they do, you know? Loving someone doesn't mean I endorse all of their ideas, but Jesus loved everyone. Jesus died for everyone. It, I mean, he didn't say there was any difference on political persuasion, you know, gender, uh, what sin you choose to embrace or not embrace. <laughs> it, it, it is all the same in his book. You know, uh, it, one sin separates us from God. He didn't say one certain type of sin. You know, all all of them are are a barrier to our relationship with him, and whether it's what you want to call a white lie or stealing a candy bar when you're a kid, or whether it's you know murdering people. To piggyback on that, it, it is uh, human nature to be like, you know, Rick is here, and then Hank is a little bit more down here. You know what I mean? <laughs> to to write things, and then. Hank's sin is bigger than Edmund's sin or so-and-so else's sin. You know what I mean? It's a human nature to kind of have that levels of, you know, I put Martin Luther King Jr. up here and then uh-huh. other, he's a little closer to heaven. Well, he's got a holiday. <laughs> right. And then, <laughs> and then this other Christian, he's, he's a little bit, a couple pegs down here. And, and, and what you're saying just grounds it all back to the reality of we are all flawed. God knew this and took into account and had a plan the entire time. Well, this year, uh, the Bible reading plan my wife and I are reading through together is a chronological plan. So we're already reading Job 
And Job makes a statement before God, and he says, what is man, right? What is man that you're mindful of him, right? What? Who are we compared to you that you even you even pay attention to us, that you care about us in the least, right? And that's the reality. If, if I could see myself that way, then I can't be better than Hank, right? We're all, we're all level, right? They say the ground is all level at the cross, right? You know, everybody, hey, Rockefeller, Jeff Bezos, whoever he is, just like that homeless guy, they go before the same cross. You bring nothing with you out of this world. Nope. It doesn't matter what masses, you know, you can accumulate here, what power you can accumulate here. It won't impress God. When you show up, he's just going to open that book of life and see if your name is in there or not. He's he's not worried about, you know, what your net worth was when you died. I keep reiterating. I just think it's just human nature to have these strange guidelines and these strange, you know, we're putting them on things that we're never commanded to put them on. You know, we're we're not, there's no scripture that points and says, you know what? Yep. This is level one. This is level two. And you're going to be a fourth degree Christian next year if you pass your test. Yeah. I I love that. I love this discussion just because it it is bringing everything back down to reality. And I hope it calms a lot of people down. Here's a scripture we could leave our listeners with. First Timothy 2, 1 through 12. Paul says to Timothy, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So we can all do that, right? Live live a quiet, holy life, pray for the king, you know, president in our case, but, yeah, yeah. you know, pray for the president. I'm Pray for the president as much as you did the last president. And maybe it's not going to be the same way. Depends which side of the aisle you're on, you know. <laughs> but but you should pray for him either way. You know, pray for God's hand to be on him. I mean, there's a scripture that talks about the God controlling the king's heart, you know. Could you imagine possibly a great revival that could take place if you place someone like, you know, a progressive that, socially might have all these differences that you're like, Ooh, that's not, that's not godly. And this is not godly. And that's not godly. And they got in and something happened and they just started doing godly things. That would be amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid these days there might be an impeachment trial soon after that, but (laughs) you know, yeah, it would be cool. And I try just never to limit what God can do, you know, Hey, you. Hopefully, you've been a Christian long enough, like I have, to see some people that are completely different people once they let Jesus in their heart. You know, Amen. some people can be completely different, and so uh, you know, we can pray to that end. You know, Amen. Oh, what a great discussion, Rick. Anything else before we go? No, I. I just think I. My heart aches with the division that we see, and it, it bothers me on social media that that people that I know are Christians say some really unchristian things in the political arena on on both sides you know people people come from both sides that will say things about people and I 
I desire when I share things because I'm real public about what I, what I share, but I want that to be accurate and true what I share. And I want my comments to be not insulting. You know, you can disagree without calling somebody a name. You can disagree without saying that other person's a lousy person. (laughs) You can disagree with an action and not have to say anything about the person who committed the action, you know? And uh, so my prayer, if I could say for the country would be that we would all just focus on us, you know, being better Christians and pray for our leaders. And if we disagree with them, pray for them harder, you know, Uh, but don't go to social media and say what a bad person they are because you don't agree with them. I, I would really like to see less of that. Obviously, always pray, always, always, always pray, but also take action if you feel called to take action. And it could be something as simple as just discussing with a neighbor or a friend, coworker, sure. or whatever is legal and, and responsible of you to do, and not in a negative way at all. Yeah. Sometimes opening the door and letting people see why you think a certain way, it actually just informs them instead of them feeling like you're, uh, you're attacking me and I'm on the defensive. Mm-hmm. And I think as Christians, we have to more and more and more open our mind and say, who knows where this individual is on their walk? Mm-hmm. They might be a new Christian. They might not even believe anything yet. They could be anywhere along the walk, man. And you just want a, to leave a good taste in their mouth of, oh, I get this all the time. <laughs> oh, Hank disagrees with me. But wow, that's the nicest way anybody's ever disagreed with me over something. He, and he's still saying hi to me every day. Mm-hmm. Still takes time out to ask about my family, my friends. And I do. I make a conscious effort. I don't care where you land at because I am concerned about the person, the individual. Right. It's my hope that everybody I know and ever seen makes it in this next life, you know, that they're in the book of life. It is. Yeah. I, I, I don't wish hell on even my worst enemies. I don't wish that on at all. Right. Yep. Exactly. We should not wish that on anybody. You know, some people may make choices that take them there, but it, but it shouldn't be as a result of me for sure. No, no, no. <laughs> and, it should, and it shouldn't, I should not be the one wishing that on them. Because people are like, oh, I don't want to offend you. You know, I know you're a Christian, you know, and I'm, I, I'm not here to put you down or to, mm-hmm. to make you feel like you're less than or, or anything like that. You know, if mm-hmm. I can answer something or if I can give you a, a scripture to look at or yeah. you just want some advice or anything like that, I'm willing to do those things. I don't have a hell or a heaven to put you in. I think we'd all do better to dialogue more with people that aren't the same as us. Yes. I, I, th- I like our whole country would be better off if we spent more time getting to know somebody that doesn't look like us, that doesn't think like us, you know, because we get insight. You know, I, I know that I'm really conservative on political things, but I also try to listen to people that can explain why they're really liberal on that same thing. Like what's their argument for the position they take versus the argument for the position I take. And I first look at scripture as my guide to everything. If, if the Bible tells me murder is wrong, 
And I believe an unborn child is a person. And so it's murder when you have an abortion. That makes that a moral issue that the Bible gives me guidance on. And that's why I'm in the position that I'm on on that issue. But if there's another issue outside of that, like the use of force by a police officer, I don't think the Bible exactly addresses that. So I have to look at it and and I try to be practical about it and say, you know, like, how much is too much? How much is appropriate? Uh, Is there something they can do different, you know, to prevent some of these situations that happen? And, and if, and if not, if the situation is legitimate, then I, then instead of giving the cop a hard time about it, I, I should be saying like, slow down there, you know, on your criticism or whatever. But, you know, uh, try to look at it all the way around. You know, I, I happen to work with a guy who's a Muslim. And so I get an opportunity when there's things in the news sometimes about Al Qaeda and stuff like that, you know, to bounce some things off of him. Like, does the Quran really say this or not? You know, how do you take it? You know, and I'm sure as Muslims go, he's very liberal because he's not really strict about it. He tells me his parents are more strict than he is, but you know, that's the way he was brought up and stuff. They came from Lebanon. And, um, but it's good to have somebody like that and, and, and not, you know, I mean, I've been to his house. He's been to my house. We, we talk to have somebody because I think I see people say things about Muslims believe X. And sometimes I know it's not right. And it's coming from people that are, are Christian people. And I go, you're not taking the time to understand that there's actually some similarities in things we believe. Sure, we believe that we believe in the one true God, and that's what they think, and and we think they're believing in the wrong God. But there's a lot of other things we have in common, like the importance of family in our belief system and, and things like that. And we, and we believe in one God where, you know, there's false religions out there believe in many gods. You know, I mean, we have some common ground that you can work with to dialogue and build a relationship and at least he will listen to me explain some things from the Bible to him that he's never read the Bible. He doesn't, I don't think he knows anybody else that talks to him about the Bible. So at least I'm getting that opportunity to share with him, you know, a little bit of truth. And maybe someday his eyes will be opened. Amen. All right. We are going to leave it right there. We thank you so much for tuning in and you know, in these times of uncertainty or, or what you think is uncertainty, we always know that it's actually one thing that's always certain, you know. Yeah. Let's just lean on the Lord and and just keep on keeping on. Amen. For Rick, I'm Hank. Until the next time, we're signing off. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to subscribe in your app of choice by heading to standfirmmedia.com slash subscribe.